Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good morning and welcome to What's Going On, a show about making a difference in our lives and our communities. I'm Lorraine Ballard-Morrill. I'm excited to tell you about this year's Black Tie Gay Bingo, honoring longtime LGBTQ plus and HIV activist Kevin Burns. We'll tell you about the newly renamed Philadelphia City Fund, which is providing support to community organizations. Also, an event for folks who speak for a living. But first... For more than 150 years, Legacy Treatment Services has been providing primary care, substance use, or mental health treatment. And to tell us more about this organization and also this upcoming fundraiser, which sounds like so much fun, is Roy Lightstein. He is CEO of Legacy Treatment Services. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks so much for having us, Lorraine. Really appreciate it. Well, there's a really fun event coming up that's a big gala for you. But before we get into that, let's talk about Legacy Treatment Services. You've been around for a very long time. Tell us what you do, what you provide for folks. Oh, absolutely, Lorraine. I don't know why nonprofits love to be old, but sure, uh, Legacy certainly is. We go all the way back to 1864. And Legacy Treatment Services is a large-scale behavioral health and social service nonprofit organization. We help about 20,000 people a year. Uh, Anybody who's struggling with mental health or substance abuse issues, um, if you have a child that might have an intellectual or developmental disability, in some way, shape, or form, you're likely to find help through Legacy Treatment Services. Well, you have a, a connection with your own personal journey uh, that's led you to what you do now that fires your mission and your passion. Can you just share that with us a little? Of course, Lorraine. So I always like to say that folks in this field uh, are called to the field. And, you know, unfortunately, I grew up, I was an abused and neglected child, right? I had a schizophrenic mother and my father was a uh, sort of barely functioning drug addict. I got started in this field not because I had a big heart. I was serving in the United States Army Infantry and started volunteering because uh, it got me out of being shot at for six weeks. And I have to tell you, I fell in love with the young man that I I was working with. It was a child that had some behavioral health issues, had some speech difficulty, was nonverbal. I fell in love with that kid and his name was Zach. And I just committed my career to helping people that need it most. And in my time that I've been blessed at Legacy, I've helped grow the organization from helping 150 kids a year to 20,000 adults, children, and families. I think you're a wonderful example of the resilience of the human spirit. I'm sure you bring a certain level of empathy and uh, sensitivity to the work that you do because of your own personal experience. And so what you're doing today is to tell us about ways we can help you. And there's a fun thing that's coming up. Tell us what it is. Yeah, super fun. It's our largest fundraiser of the year. It's our Monte Carlo night. It's uh, the best way to gamble because it's tax deductible uh, and you're, nobody really loses. Uh, we've got a silent auction. We have some wonderful food options and live music. We're honoring the Miller family. 
this year because we like to recognize all of the folks that are out there that are helping to make uh, society just a little bit stronger and and helping us to take care of each other. And so we're going to have about 300 folks together having a really good time for a really good cause. We hope that some of your listeners might make their way to our event. Well, tell us specifically um, the date, the time, then location. The uh, date of the event is on March 18th. It's at the Marion, and the event runs from 6 o'clock into, well, who knows when, really. (laughs) Well, it sounds like a lot of fun, and I think there's no better excuse for gambling because it's all going for a very good cause. If people would like more information, not only about this Monte Carlo night, but about the Legacy Treatment Services Organization. How do you find out more? I don't know if your listeners are aware or not, but there's something called the internet and they can take a look (laughs) at our website. They just go to LegacyTreatment.org and they can find out all about the organization, Monte Carlo Night, how grateful we are to our board of trustees, all of our volunteers and supporters, and uh, they can get themselves connected to the organization in any way that they see fit. Roy Lightstein, CEO, Legacy Treatment Services. Check out their Monte Carlo Carlo Night on March 18th. Sounds like a wonderful cause and sounds like a wonderful way to do good and have fun at the same time. Thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you so much, Lorraine. Can't thank you and iHeartRadio enough. I am absolutely delighted to introduce Dr. Jim Smith. He is president of the Philadelphia chapter, the National Speakers Association. He is also one of the most empowering and inspiring speakers that I know. And he's going to tell us about an event that's coming up very soon. Jim, good to see you. Great to see you, Lorraine. Great to see you. Thank you for the opportunity. Well, tell us, first of all, uh, what is the National Speakers Association? Who are the kinds of people that you look to join this organization? Absolutely. Really quick. You've heard of Dale Carnegie. You've heard of Toastmasters. Those are organizations that help people become better speakers. The National Speakers Association does that, but also helps you run a speaking business. So we help you run the business, scale your business, sell products, write books, as well as being a good speaker, too. And we look for people who either want to be speakers or who want to be associated with speakers because we have members who sell insurance, who are videographers, who are photographers, and speakers need all of that stuff. You are actually one of the best speakers I have ever heard. You're a great, great example of what you can do, and you certainly make an excellent living doing it. You have an event that's coming up. Tell us about the event. March 18, the day after St. Patrick's. So don't get too lit on St. Patrick's. Come join St. Patrick's Day. Come join us on March 18th. We're going to be at Stagecrafters, 8130 Germantown Avenue in Chestnut Hill, PA. And the theme of our conference is called storytelling. We believe that facts fade, stories stick. So as you're presenting virtually or in person, The power of a story can really drive your message home. And we're going to spend a day honing in on how to be a fantastic, compelling storyteller. If anyone out there thinks that they have uh, the talent to be a great storyteller and to maybe make a business out of this, how do they find out more about the National Speakers Association and also about this event that's coming up? What I imagine you're going to have some amazing speakers (laughs) at this event. So glad you asked, Lorraine. They can go to www.nsaphiladelphia.org 
They will find information about our chapter, the national chapter, as well as the event on March 18th. That gets started at 830. Go to four. We have breakfast. We have lunch. We have great fellowship. And the food, rain, the food's going to be good. It's not just continental breakfast. We're talking shrimp and grits, turkey Mm. bacon. All right. (laughs) We're going to have a great time. And the food, Miss Dawn's caterer is going to take care of us. Oh, well, that's enough said. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yeah, she's fantastic. And I'm sure there are a lot of people out there who have storytelling in their genes, but they just never have had the opportunity to to put it into practice, perhaps the way that they can, and uh, actually even make a living from it. And to uh, get an idea of what that is like, this is a perfect event to do that at Dr. Jim Smith, president of the Philadelphia branch of the National Speakers Association. Thank you so much. Thank you, Lorraine. Thank you. I'm doing a heart right now. I'm doing a heart. (laughs) (laughs) The Mayor's Fund for Philadelphia manages a whole lot of projects, ranging from bike shares to immigration relief to Philadelphia's Unity Cup, Well, it now has a new name and a new mission, an updated mission. So I would say it's a 2.0. It's now called the Philadelphia City Fund. To tell us more about it and how we can connect, Jody Greenblatt, Executive Director of the Philadelphia City Fund, and one of the recipients, Amy Eusebio, who's Director of the Office of Immigrant Affairs. Thank you both for joining us here today. Jody, let's begin with you. So tell us about the name change from the Mayor's Fund Philadelphia to the Philadelphia City Fund. Why the change and what is the difference now with the organization? Sure. Thanks for having me, Maureen. Our name change, what I would say, is the end of a process um, in which we undergone a strategic plan and felt that the new name, the Philadelphia City Fund, better represents who we are and what we do. So we are primarily a fiscal sponsor and our only client is the city of Philadelphia. So we act as the fiscal sponsor for the city and allow them to vie for private funding. Um, And it also really um, reflects our role as the fiscal sponsor and also a grant maker within the city. And we think the new name reflects that better. Well, one of the recipients of Philadelphia City Fund is the Welcoming Fund. And uh, to tell us more about that is Amy. Amy, tell us what that is and how uh, you connected with the Philadelphia City Fund. Sure. And thanks so much for for having us. The Philadelphia Welcoming Fund was launched November 16, right when the city was expecting to receive um, the first um, of several migrant buses from Texas. The intention of the fund really was we learned from prior responses as a city, Operation Allies Welcome, responses for Haitian and Ukrainian community, that our local residents are really generous and want to be part of supporting newly arrived people. And so as we were preparing for the arrival of buses, I quickly reached out to Jody and said, is there any way that the Philadelphia City Fund um, can help us set up a donation link? Because my office, the Office of Immigrant Affairs, is working with over a dozen different partners. Of course, we were promoting for people to support financially those nonprofit organizations, but it's often helpful to have one centralized place for receiving donations. Um, and Jody and her team quickly responded with like, yes, just give us some details. What are we going to put on the website? And we can set up a donation link that any resident of Philadelphia can utilize to support the city's response to, to newly arrived folks from Texas. Well, that's, I think, what makes this Philadelphia City Fund so unique because it's so Philadelphia, because it's so Philadelphia to be welcoming. We are a sanctuary city, and that's one aspect of what makes Philadelphia so great. But there are also other aspects of the city that are truly phenomenal. We have 
events like the Philadelphia Marathon, which I actually ran in. I didn't run in the marathon or the half marathon. I did the 8K, but I participated in that wonderful event. And uh, and I believe that this uh, year there's going to be community funds going to health equity projects. Tell us more about that. Yes. So the Philadelphia City Fund um, uses proceeds from the Philadelphia Marathon. We do manage the marathon on behalf of the city um, to give back to the community. And I I think that's something that people don't know, like yourself that ran the marathon. I'm sure you don't realize that a portion of your fees um, for running the marathon contributes back to the community. Um, And this year, we work in conjunction with the city administration to narrow down a topic. And this year, the city fund chose, in conjunction with the administration, health equity for all. And we, we mean that to be interpreted very broadly. And we welcome applications from community-based organizations with a budget under $10 million. But we think it's really important not only to support the city um, projects that get um, private dollars, but also to give back to the community in any way that we can. Well, so let's talk more about how we can interact as community members or nonprofits or grassroots organizations that are maybe looking for some grant funding and uh, perhaps could look to the Philadelphia City Fund. Tell us a little more about how the community can interact with the fund. If you visit our website, you can sign up to receive periodic newsletters from the fund. Uh, We have this grant cycle that I just mentioned this year, the topic health equity for all. We have one every year. And so you can always look back as a grassroots organization or a nonprofit in the area. Health equity for all doesn't fit within your mission. Come back next year and look to see what our theme could be. Um, We also work with a lot of nonprofits and in a role as fiscal sponsor for the city. So as Amy mentioned, as part of the welcoming fund, she has a network of organizations that support um, newcomers to Philadelphia. And with some of the proceeds that we raised from the Philadelphia Welcoming Fund through our citizens in Philadelphia donating on our website, we were able to support those organizations as well that are helping and in turn the newcomers to Philadelphia. Well, that's great. And so if people would like to support the many organizations that you support, including the Welcoming Fund, um, we can certainly do that. And specifically for those who want to help out, because, again, we are a sanctuary city. We are a welcoming city, Philadelphia That's what the Office of Immigrant Affairs helps with, and the Welcoming Fund certainly does. If people want to know more about the Welcoming Fund, how do they find out more? Uh, The Welcoming Fund website link uh, sits on the website for the Philadelphia City Fund. So the very same website that Jody just mentioned will also be able to connect you to um, how to support the Welcoming Fund. That's great. So, Jody, any final words before we close out uh, about the Philadelphia City Fund? Just that I encourage people to take a look at our site. Um, it really explains what we do and how we support and how you as a citizen of Philadelphia could get involved with the initiatives that we support. And I'm glad I learned something new today that uh, running in the marathon weekend, uh, I'm contributing to the Philadelphia City Fund and contributing to uh, so many very worthy nonprofit organizations and community groups. Jody Greenblatt, Executive Director of the Philadelphia City Fund. Amy Eusebio, Director of the Office of Immigrant Affairs, which is instituting the Welcoming Fund. Thank you both for joining us here today. Thank you for all the good works that you're doing for the city of Philadelphia. Thank you, Lorraine. Thank you for having us. The AIDS Fund will be honoring Kevin Burns, longtime executive director of Action Wellness at Black Tie Gay Bingo, March 25th. We'll be talking with Kevin in just a moment. But first, let's check in with Rob Reichert, executive director of the AIDS Fund. Oh, my gosh. What a wonderful evening you have in store. It's Black Tie Gay Bingo, which, of course, is fabulous. And you are honoring one of my favorite people, Kevin Burns. Tell us why. Well, you know, Kevin has worked in the HIV community here in Philadelphia for over 30 years. And I've experienced and worked with him over the years uh, in a lot of different capacities. And 
we really just wanted to mark his retirement, his longtime commitment. You know, not many people stay committed to anything for 30, over 30 years. And uh, Kevin's commitment is to the people living with HIV in the community, to collaboration with his uh, colleagues and other organizations, all just make this a perfect time to recognize that as he steps down and moves into a well-deserved retirement. I have to ask you now, over the many years, you've had a special award that you've given to individuals. I have received one in the past, but you have changed the name of this award. And I wonder if you can tell us why you made that name change, which I, I absolutely adore. It's a great name change, but why? We wanted something that really reflected gay bingo. And also to kind of, we had our favorite straight person award for many, many years. <laughs> um, but, you know, we certainly as an organization that deals with sexual health understand that sexual orientation is a continuum, not a binary, and that we really wanted to be able to broaden how, kind of how we look at this award. And we named it the Fierce and Fabulous Award because we really wanted to reflect Gay Bingo and Black Tie Gay Bingo. As I said last year, we presented the first one. Drag queens have been at the forefront of the HIV epidemic in fundraising since day one. Mm. The very first fundraisers for any kind of work in HIV and AIDS was done by drag queens. And they continue to do that today. We wanted to take that fierce and fabulous energy that drag queens bring to entertainment, and recognize people in our community who are doing fierce and fabulous work. Kevin Burns is going to be retiring. He is someone that many of you know as a very powerful LGBTQ plus activist and aid service organization leader. And he's planning to retire which is, oh my gosh, uh, that just blows my mind. Kevin, so nice to see you. And I, again, I can't it's hard to believe you're, you're going to be hanging up the spurs, at least for this chapter in your life. Tell us more. Yes, you know, it is a bittersweet decision. I, of course, um, love Action Wellness and have been very privileged to work here for 34 years. Um, it's been a joy for me. And so it was a difficult decision, but also a decision I felt that whose time had come, right? Um, I, I'm excited that the organization will have new, fresh leadership. Like I said, it's bittersweet. I'm going to miss the people and our clients. Um, although I'm still, I'll still keep those relationships after I'm gone. So, and it has come so quickly. I, I let the board know at the beginning of the fiscal year that at the end of the year, I wanted to retire. And so our board has been amazing. They've worked very hard in terms of creating and, and working with me around transition plan. We've been busy, busy, busy doing a strategic plan um, that hopefully we'll have an opportunity to review with the new executive director when they start. There'll hopefully be a transition during the month of June with the new executive director and myself working together to make that as smooth as possible. It's all good. I'm excited for Action Wellness's future. Yeah. And I'm excited to do some things um, after I retire to travel a little bit more. 
Um, we have two new puppies, so that will be fun. Um, my husband retired two years ago, so he's been sort of pushing the envelope a little bit. So it's all good. I'm excited and, and a little bit nervous, but that goes with it, right? Yeah, absolutely. Listen, uh, you have been on the ground floor of this organization, which was known as Action Aids, one of the original 84 volunteer buddies of Action Aids at that time is what it was called. 34 years is uh, enough time to see the arc of the evolution of the HIV and AIDS pandemic. And you were there in the early days. Tell us, what, what are your observations about the way it was then and the way it is now? Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, interesting. It's um, I've been reflecting back a lot in the last few months on the early days and you know, in the early days, we really were doing hospice work for people. We were helping people to die with dignity and helping them to have access to services that they needed in order to accomplish that. We have come so far, and that is one of the things I'm most proud of. Um, I'm proud of the small part that I played in getting us to a place where HIV is a manageable disease and that people with HIV can achieve wellness, which is why we changed our name from Action AIDS to Action Wellness. And, you know, I think the organization has grown so much um, and there's still so much work to do because we need to make sure that everyone who's HIV positive has access to really good care and treatment so they can achieve wellness. And I think that's that's the thing I'm leaving with a great deal of pride about, that we've we've made so much progress. And I, I often think back in the, to the early days and all of the clients that unfortunately we lost and the friends and the family that we we lost in the early days of HIV and what they would have given to have had the opportunity to have treatments that would have allowed them to have a normal life expectancy. So I feel like all those folks are um, really the true heroes of this epidemic because many of them participated in clinical trials that got us to this place and their sacrifice and their their strength is something that uh, that I feel we still feel today and still depend on in terms of moving forward. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, it, it occurs to me the lasting legacy of action wellness, especially in the early days, is that there is a tremendous amount of courage that um, had to be expressed in working in this field, because I remember in those early days how scared people were. And then there was the uh, isolation of so many of those individuals that you gave comfort to. And in many respects, I imagine that you were the only family that some of these folks had uh, as they were in the last months of their lives in a world, in a society that was petrified and also not understanding the true nature of HIV and AIDS. No, that's absolutely true for many of our clients, especially in the early days. 
we were all they had, you know, it, that's, you know, they depended on us for everything. And it's very interesting. I often think back what I was working before I came to work as a staff person for Action Aids in a mental health center in Delaware County. And I remember when I got hired as a case manager and I resigned at the mental health center, one of my colleagues there saw me in the hallway and asked me where I was going to work. And I said that I was coming to work at Action Aids and he physically moved away from me. Mm. And that was so startling to me. And I thought to myself, this is a professional person who is still reacting to that fear and that ignorance around HIV. In the early days, it was difficult to find staff who were willing to do the work. And it was hard work. Um, but I don't feel like I ever or the staff in those in the early days felt afraid of being with people with HIV. I feel like we always knew enough to know that how to protect ourselves and protect our clients because they were also very vulnerable to all kinds of opportunistic infections. So it was a two-way street. We had to be protective of them as well. And But you're right. And I feel like as far as we've come with sort of addressing that ignorance and educating the public, um, there still is so much stigma attached to HIV. And of course, the the environment and the that we're living in now does so little to help that. I mean, there's so much paranoia and so much stigma for the LGBTQ plus community yeah. and for um, we just opened. I'm really proud. One of my last efforts here the working with the team was to open an office in Kensington and it's on I Street. And the program there will focus on working with people with opioid addiction. And again, another population that is really misunderstood, does not have equal access to care and treatment. And so it feels like we're continuing our legacy of reaching out to people who are isolated, who don't have the same kind of access that many of us enjoy. And so that that feels it's on to sort of the next challenge a bit for the organization, which is really terrific and exciting. When you started out in the work that you did, and all of us, and I, as someone covering HIV and, and AIDS in the 80s, there was... Um, there was sort of a sense of yes let's let's work hard let's raise awareness but i don't think any of us thought that we would be at this place right now where hiv is a manageable disease that people can have a zero viral load and that folks can live a full and productive life um and it can be managed and 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 we're even seeing perhaps the light at the end of the tunnel for a vaccine or even a cure, yeah. which seemed inconceiv inconceivable in 1983. So I wonder what your thoughts there. You know, we, we there's a lot that's negative and down and there's stigma and people still need to raise their awareness. But there's so much good that's happened over these 34 years. Yeah, unbelievable progress, right? And you're absolutely right. Back in the day, none of us felt, felt like we'd ever get to this point. Um, and I think it speaks to, and also, you know, you have played a role in that. And, and people in the media who have committed to continuing to cover the journey for people with HIV. So I want to acknowledge you're, you've always been a champion for us and for the community. And that is so vital to raising awareness and educating people. So um, I kind of feel like the HIV community is this 
mixture of people from all different backgrounds who came together for the cause. And you're certainly part of that and all the work that you have done over the years. And that's one of the things I love most about our community, right? We're good people who have connected and built relationships over many years, all with the same focus. And and we we've done it. I mean, it is pretty amazing to say someone with HIV today can achieve wellness. And we, you know, we have mothers, HIV positive mothers who today can give birth to an HIV negative baby. Pretty amazing. Who thought we'd ever get there, right? Yes. Um, yes. So you're right. There's lots of good news and lots of good people doing amazing work. It's one of the things I treasure about the work that I've done. The relationships are everything. Have made in the early days that made carrying such a heavy burden doable. And and you're right. And today we should celebrate all of that stuff that we did over so many years to get where we're at today. Well, Action Wellness continues on continuing your legacy and the legacy of all of those initial volunteers who got together. And uh, and you continue on, uh, even though you may be retiring, the organization continues to flourish, as you mentioned. You've got a, a new branch out in Kensington, so needed. If people would like to know more information about Action Wellness, how do they find out more? Yes, they can visit our website at actionwellness.org. And there they will find all of the information about our services, um, our staff, our volunteers, um, people can, we post all of our open positions on that site. So if people are interested in joining us, we encourage them to check out our the positions we have open. That's been a challenge during the pandemic, I think, for everyone. So, yeah. yeah. And I also want to acknowledge and thank the folks at the AIDS Fund. You know that the board and, and Rob and the staff and the volunteers at the AIDS Fund, this award means the world to me because I hold all of them in such high esteem and they've done such amazing work over the years and have always pivoted to to really focus on what do our clients need. So I happen to feel that all of them are fierce and fabulous and this award really touches my heart. I'm very humbled and very and very grateful to all of them for the recognition. And back to you Rob Reichert. If people would like to buy tickets for this fabulous event, give us all the details. Sure. The event is going to be Saturday, March 25th at the wonderful uh, Lowe's Philadelphia Hotel in the Regency Ballroom. It's a night filled with the silent auction and a cocktail reception and dinner and dancing. But of course, we layer on top of all of those things our uh, six games of gay bingo with our bingo verifying divas who are there to entertain the crowd. And they'll do an opening production number and they'll do some drag performances and all in great fun to raise money for our emergency grant program and our public awareness efforts. People can get information at AIDSFundPhilly.org. AIDSFundPhilly.org. Fantastic. What a wonderful evening. It is absolutely the best gala, bar none in the city, the most fun and the most fierce and fabulous. And again, happening on March 25th, Black Tie Gay Bingo, honoring the wonderful Kevin Burns retiring from Action Wellness. Thanks to both of you, Rob Reichert, Executive Director of the AIDS Fund, and Kevin Burns, longtime Executive Director of Action Wellness, who will be honored at Black Tie Gay Bingo with a Fierce and Fabulous Award. Good luck in the next chapter in your life. Thanks so much, Lorraine. And I will still see you at the walk. Absolutely. Yay. <laughs> 
You can listen to all of today's interviews by going to our station website and typing in keyword community. You can also listen on the iHeartRadio app, keyword Lorraine with one R. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Lorraine Ballard. I'm Lorraine Ballard-Morrill, and I stand for service to our community and media that empowers. What will you stand for? You've been listening to What's Going On, and thank you. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.